Welcome to the Live Your Heart Out podcast, a show for wild hearts, changemakers, and soulpreneurs. Together, we dive deep into the exploration of what it means to live a meaningful life. I'm your host, Connie Bozowski, and I hope you're ready to live your magic. Awesome. Well, I'm just super crazy excited to be welcoming my good friends, Connor and Nicole, Nicole and Connor, <laughs> to the Live Your Heart Out show. And we're just kind of hanging out here. You can say hi. Hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. Hi, Connie. <laughs> we're just kind of hanging out together. We just had dinner, my first Chipotle dinner. Very exciting night. Very exciting. <laughs> Actually, I got it Monumentous. for free. <laughs> I got it for free because Nicole was informing everybody in the shop. <laughs> exactly. But it was my first time. And then I got my meal for free. So that was great. Um, <laughs> the night is off to a great start. <laughs> and then, so we're just having a, a glass of wine, actually. And Nicole and Connor have a really cool little story to share. Mm -hmm. They are kind of, I guess, taking their first steps into entrepreneurship with their pretty brand new launch businesses. Nicole launched her business. When did you launch yours? About three weeks ago. Wow, three weeks ago. August effects. And then Connor is launching his actually in? I'm launching to my email list subscribers at midnight on Thursday, yeah. April 5th. And then a few days later to the general <laughs> public. A few days later to the general yeah. public. Yeah, so exciting times. Mm -hmm. And I've been kind of, I guess, on the sidelines with them since we met back in June or May or something like that in Bali. And so, which is when they were at the very beginning of their entrepreneurial journey. So I've been kind of observing how they're getting their feet wet mm. and the challenges yeah. and the problems they've been facing in Bali. And it's just been uh, super fascinating to watch. And also, especially because both of their businesses are product-based businesses. So that's super interesting. I mostly, my experience mostly is with digital products and online services and all of that and blogging and whatnot. And I just started my own physical product line, I guess, with my Live Your Heart Out t-shirts. So that's why I kind of wanted to get these guys on the podcast to share their experience, especially also, you know, my beginnings as an entrepreneur. They're about, what, this was in 2012, 2011, so it's been a few years. And so it's, I find also a lot more interesting sometimes to hear from people who are actually at the beginning. A lot of times it's more helpful, I find, for other people. So anyway, before I keep on talking and talking and talking... <laughs> So yeah, we met in last summer or last spring in Bali. Maybe you guys just kind of want to, I don't know, introduce yourselves a little bit and where you guys are from and how you guys ended up back then in Bali when we met. What was like the lead up to that? How did you, what brought you to Bali in the first place? Oh, absolutely. Sure. You, you take it, yeah. So I am from Santa Barbara, California, and Connor and I met in 2012 started dating and we, Connor's from Omaha, Nebraska, and we got married in November of 2016 and went to Bali on our honeymoon. And at the time we had both just started new jobs and they were very, very intense. I was running a nonprofit with different projects in Africa and Connor was in real estate investment. Yeah. Just started for a, a fund that invested in commercial real estate all over the United States was doing a lot of property tours and inspections and meeting a lot of people in different cities across the country. So I was spending two or three weeks every month on the road. So both of us had jobs that were very stressful, very demanding, and took up a lot of our time and energy. Exactly. So 2016, very intense year. 
We went on our honeymoon late November and went to Bali, which is hard not to fall completely in love with when you're there. And not only that, but it was the first time we'd really been able to live life outside of our offices. And for me, at least, I think I could probably speak for both of us, but it felt like I was just waking up for the first time. Like, yeah. you know, you work so much for these little breaks on the weekend or maybe sometimes at night. But for me, work was all consuming and I never really felt like I got to be present in my life. So our honeymoon was the first time I felt like present and like I was actually living my life in a very long time. And it was a feeling I cherished every second of it. And it just felt like, oh my gosh, life is so short. Like it's passing me by. And it was a total head trip for me because I worked really, really hard to get the job that I was currently in. It was on paper what I thought was my dream job. So it was interesting because part of me felt really guilty having these feelings like, oh my gosh, I want something different because I was making good money and I was working for a company that was doing great things for the world and had a great position, but I just felt very unsatisfied and something was missing. So when we got back from our honeymoon, uh, a few days into work, I called Connor and I was like, babe, <laughs> I think I got to quit my job. This ain't working. <laughs> yeah. It was a lunch. We were yeah. at lunch one day. First it was a phone call and then we went to lunch. Right. <laughs> and I was like, and I think I want to move to Bali. And there was this long pause. And then he was like, I'm in. <laughs> and then we went to lunch and we were like, okay, is this realistic? Like, could we really do this? And I actually drafted a letter to quit my job that day. Wow. And then I talked to my right. mom and my sister and they're like, you're crazy. You just got back from your honeymoon. You're on this high, like give it a month and see yeah. if you still feel the same way. So every day for that month, like we just couldn't stop talking about it and thinking about it. And by the end of the month, I was like, we got to do this. Yeah. I think the last straw for me was I was on a work trip right between Christmas and New Year's. And I was on a work trip in Houston, Texas, sitting in a hotel room after working the three nights before in the hotel room, working until like two or three in the morning, you know, grinding, trying to get deals closed right at the end of the year so that I could make a little bit more money for my bonus. Mm. And just thinking that was so, so important and really like being in that. Both of the deals that I was working on in Houston ended up falling through at the last minute. Uh And I remember just walking outside. It was freezing cold and freezing rain like icy rain outside. And I remember just going outside of this hotel that was kind of, you know, a nondescript hotel in Houston, Texas. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Mm-hmm. I'm by myself. I'm away from you know my wife who I love and just like this job isn't worth it. So that was the moment for me that was, you know, I got back from that trip and told Nicole, "You're done. I'm done. Right, <laughs> we're, let's go to Bali. Let's try this out." Yeah, wow. So you guys were on the same page basically at the same time. Thank yeah. God. Like, yes. Let's get out of here. Exactly. This is it. Yeah. Which you know, interesting because we've talked about this before. Most of your friends and you know they are still in their very conventional lives. So you are, mm-hmm. you're kind of like the pioneers still in like your social circles here in the United States. No, how is that for you? Yeah, it's like you hear about people that quit their jobs and move to different places, but. I hadn't really known anyone super close no, to me that had yeah, done no one it. That was that close. Yeah. So it was really scary because I don't know, there's so many fears that go through your mind. Like, 
am I going to make money? Am I going to be homeless? Like, (laughs) what am I going to do for a living if I don't have a nine to five? I never knew any other way. Of course. And then we have a little puppy. So it was like, what are we going to do with our dog? Because dogs aren't allowed in Bali. Where would we live? Like there was just a million questions going through our mind. But every night we just kind of sat down and we're like, okay, dog, who are the list of people that could watch him for us? Like money, what? Like, how much do we have? How much could we live off of? What kind of businesses could we start? What are we good at? What does Bali have to offer us? All these types of things. And then like, I don't know, slowly you just kind of start figuring out like, wait, this actually might, we might be able to pull this off. Like, it's not that difficult. And it's just really letting go of your ego a lot. Because you have to be comfortable with the fact that, like, you're not going to be making money for a while Mm -hmm. and have to, like, you know, live a different kind of lifestyle than you're used to and get really uncomfortable. And, like, we have an amazing, amazing group of friends and it was hard to leave them because it's like, okay, we're going somewhere where we know no one and everything is brand new. And I don't know, we had a very lovely, comfortable life in Venice Beach, which was amazing for six years. But at some point you kind of have to question like, is comfortable the best thing? And sometimes like you need to grow and you need to be uncomfortable Mm. and scared and figure shit out and, you know. But how about, so you guys quit your job and everything, but what about savings? Like how... What was that all about? I mean, that's, I guess, the biggest thing is the money situation, like Mm -hmm. you were saying. Like, wow, you didn't know yet what you were going to actually do and start. Yeah. You didn't, you guys didn't have a business plan yet. You didn't have all these ideas yet for the businesses that you are launching right now. Mm -hmm. So where did you get that, for one, confidence from? And also, like, roughly, or what sort of savings did you guys have in the background for you guys to be able to actually take that step into the complete unknown? Yeah. Because a lot of people, actually, that's usually what I advise, is to not, don't just fucking jump. Yeah, Save up some money. Take some sure. inventory. Or yeah. actually yeah. start the business while right. you're still in your right. job. Absolutely. You know, so that once you jump, you already have, have some sort of income coming in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were lucky enough that we had very generous family and extended family and friends. And we, from the wedding in November of 2016, we got some very nice gifts that kind of padded our savings a bit. I also waited to officially quit my job mm-hmm. until my year-end bonus was paid out to me (laughs) in March of 2017. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those were sort of very conscious choices, knowing, you know, kind of taking that Mm -hmm. money that we had together and taking some of that money from the bonus that I was paid, which was very nice. Mm -hmm. I had a good year in 2016. But we essentially figured out that we could live in Bali or sort of internationally on a budget for eight months to a year. Yeah. You know, depending on how nice of a place we were going to get, depending yeah. on how, what kind of, you know, if we wanted to splurge a little bit here mm-hmm. and there. But that was basically the sort of calculations that we did in our head, yeah. knowing how much, you know, kind of looking around and doing the research and knowing how much we would have mm-hmm. to spend that we could float mm-hmm. without any kind of business income. We could float comfortably for a minimum of eight months. Yeah, that's a pretty good, I think, guideline to have. This is roughly also what I tell people. Mm-hmm. You guys didn't go the freelance route. I think if someone wanted to go freelance route, I would say have at least six months in mm-hmm. because it might take a while in the beginning and yeah. you're learning your skills. If you like have zero skills, six months. If you have some skills, three months. If you're starting your own business like you guys, like eight months, 10 months, even a year, yeah. 
right. is probably very advisable. Right. So, um, yeah, awesome. So you guys were smart in that case. Like, you didn't just jump sort of thing. It's like, you guys did think it through. Right. right. You knew, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to wait until I get my bonus mm -hmm. paid out. We want to have a good buffer. And for timing purposes, we started talking about quitting mm -hmm. our jobs and moving mm -hmm. to Bali the end of November. And 2016. Then 2016. And then we didn't actually quit until I quit in March. Like, I actually gave my notice in December. But then my last day was the end of February. So it, yeah. I gave a few months and I knew that we were moving to Bali. So we saved a lot during that time right. and planned a lot, like as much planning and preparation as you can do. Like we found a, like a rough estimate of how much we'd have to pay for rent and what food was like. Yeah. So like we had a budget that we kind of were prepared to yeah. spend and like knew what we had to get us to a certain yeah. point. We were also quite lucky in that we had a pretty big stockpile of airline and credit card miles. As Americans, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> Not for and, anyone else. <laughs> yeah, and we I sort of nerded out and dove really hard into like the points guy and and all these different, you know, ways to maximize your points on air travel and you know, hotels and lodging and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So use yeah, that yeah. also kind of helped in really doing some research there and saving yeah. actual cash money for mm -hmm when we were on the ground in Bali and then yeah. sort of getting back and forth, we used miles wherever mm. we could. Yeah. It's awesome. a huge, huge thing mm. where, you know, people are kind of scared of the whole miles thing and points. So they just kind of back away from it, I think. But if you do some research, we traveled pretty much for free, like all of our flights and a decent amount of our hotels for about a year, just wow, through miles. That's yeah. awesome. So that's like one of the biggest tips I would give people. I need to work on getting my American yeah. credit card. I'm oh, about yeah. to. I, yeah. But it's anyway. Worth it. Yeah. And because you know how so many people, they like, they promote this whole thing of, oh, look at me. I had a six figure job and then I just kind of quit my job and mm -hmm. moved to paradise. I'm yeah. like, it sounds all like glamorous mm -hmm. and stuff, but in the end, it, you know, you got to plan that shit out. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you want to be smart about it. And there's so many people also that do that. And then after six months or whatever, they start their business, business fails, or they run out of money, and then they got to go back home and start from scratch, mm -hmm. which is essentially also okay because at least they tried. You Absolutely. Know? <laughs> I would highly recommend that over anything else because exactly. at least you went for it and you're going to learn so much along the way. And then you can try again. Yeah, and then you so, just try again. I mean, I always think like when people are scared mm -hmm. in, for whatever thing that they want to do, or you know, they want to quit their job, they want to start their own business or move to another place, it's like, well, okay you know, we all have these fears. A lot of times they are very irrational because what is the worst thing that can happen? Exactly. Did you guys think about that at all? Like, yeah. Did you sit I mean, down and be like, hey, yes. hey, what if we like fail? Like a literally, lot. what do we do? All the time. And <laughs> I mean, that's like still a thing. I mean, we're as an entrepreneur, you just never know what's going to happen. So it's all about what you put into it. But yeah, we talked about it a lot and we were like, okay, the absolute worst case scenario is we come back to the States and get new jobs. Yeah. Like once we determined that it was like, oh, okay, it's not that scary. We're both smart people. We have a lot of skills. Like we're very employable. I'd rather use those skills to create my own thing. But if need be, I know that I can go into a, a job and find something else or use the skills that I've now gained over the past year starting my own business to help other people start their own businesses or channel those skills to some other new project or business mm. that I want to start. Mm. So I don't know. It's not that scary when you think about it. <laughs> I think for me, I was really scared as we were sort of making this decision and in the lead up to actually pulling the trigger and moving to Bali. One of the big moments for me was I sent, as I was nearing the end of, it was mid-April 2017 when I was actually nearing the end of when I was going to work. Mm -hmm. I told my job I was going to quit and 
kind of set a date. So I sent out this email to all my big network of contacts and people that I worked with in that job saying, you know, kind of telling them what was going on. I'm, I'm not moving to a new job. I'm actually moving across the world with my wife to take this opportunity. And the response out of all these sort of traditional buttoned up suit real estate people was so incredible to me just saying that that it kind of lessened my fear mm. about coming back oh, right. to a certain extent. It's like, okay, well, even if I go do this and I want to come back into the real estate, you know, I want to or have to come back into the real estate world to get another job. It sounds like this is a great icebreaker in any interview, <laughs> any interview that I go into yeah. is, you know, I, yeah, I worked for 10 years and then I decided to try something different and Here I am, hey, I'm back. it worked or it didn't work, but yeah. now I'm back. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, all right. So we're at the point where you guys are actually then you're quitting your jobs, mm-hmm. you're free. Yep. You're flying to Bali on, yes. your, on your miles. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you're hitting the ground in Bali. And then at that point, so this was now May, April, yeah? So like somewhere around there. So we traveled in May and yeah. then... Right at the end of yeah. it. Yeah, we left at the beginning of June. Okay, and then did you guys have any idea yet at that point when you got to Bali, roughly what you guys wanted to do and, and how to get started with your own business? Or Yeah, I had a you, bit you of an idea. On our honeymoon, I just remember we went shopping. My sister wanted these bags. So we went to a bunch of the markets in Bali and I was blown away by how gorgeous the textiles were and we met a lot of the artisans who had made these just beautiful bags and home goods. And I just was like in love with the colors and the fabrics and everything that I was seeing at these markets. So it was just a fun experience at the time. But when we decided to quit our jobs, I started brainstorming like all different kinds of businesses I could start. And I was like, I could do retreats for women there. I had a few different ideas I was kind of toying with, but Eventually, I was like, you know what? I'd really love to work with artisans in Bali, meet people that are making unique, beautiful things and go to the markets and find all of my own fabrics, all these beautiful goods that I saw all around Bali and create some cool beachy Bali designs. There's a similar vibe of like California to Bali. It's, Mm, you know, that free kind of Mm. beachy lifestyle. So yeah, I kind of wanted to create some products and work with local artisans. And I knew that I wanted to incorporate some philanthropic aspect because that's always been my passion. That's what I've done for years, but I wasn't ready to start my own profit by any means. So I wanted to link up with a nonprofit in Bali that I really felt passionate about and I knew had a great mission and great leadership. So actually, thanks to Connie is how I found that nonprofit, but that's a whole nother part of my business. So yeah, I started kind of working on a business plan once I quit my job. So mm. I, in March of 2017, I started like laying everything out. Like, so how could this, this really work? idea brewing while yes. you were still at your job. Yeah. And then once you quit, you're like, okay, I think you, re- I really want to pursue this. Yes. It's really something you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so then, okay. Yep. Mm. So I started a business plan in 2017, but it was so broad. <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm going to go to the markets. I'm going to try to meet local people. I know nothing about retail. I know nothing about any of this. So there was a lot to learn. <laughs> so my business plan was like very How it, that minimal. That scare you off because, you know, it's like... You know, at my last job, it was so incredibly demanding that I had to learn so much from scratch that it those skills kind of, you know, 
went into August effects. And it was like, okay, if I could figure this out for the past year, all these new things that scared me, why can't I do this for this new career? Mm, like, I feel like I can do anything now. Right. Mine as well. Let's yeah. just go for it. Yeah. And I think... If other people can do it. If other people can do it, I can I figure can it out. It. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, we have Google. And we have True. the internet. And that's all it was for me. Like, yeah. and there's I Googled a, yeah. everything and yeah. just thought of anyone I knew that had done something similar. And I took them to lunch and, yeah. like, picked their brain. Yeah. And, like, slowly started adding little tidbits to my business plan. That's and then, awesome, yeah. And also, like, there's a lot of people out there less smarter than you, less intelligent <laughs> than you, doing what you want to do. Totally. Like, And I'm kind of also talking to the podcast listeners. Yeah. Like, if you have an idea and you're held back because you don't know how to get started or, you know, because it seems so complex or, you know, whatever, it's like, nah. There's so many people out there, like let's say with product sourcing mm -hmm. from Bali or Asia, whatever it is, you know, whatever business idea, they're less intelligent, less smarter than you are, but they're just doing it. And right. you know what? It's all about your dedication to it. Yeah. So you don't have to have experience doing something. You don't have to be an expert on anything. If you want to create something, dedicate your time to researching it and you'll figure it out. Yeah. You can become an expert on anything you want to. There's yeah. books, there's the internet, there's... Yeah people to give you advice like it's all there these days it's just how much you want to invest exactly. you know you don't have to study business anymore to no. become an entrepreneur no. you don't have to study film to become a filmmaker not at all you know as, it's none of that as someone that is still paying off student debt on an mba <laughs> you, you definitely don't need it yeah you don't need it i didn't need it. i learned it all myself i had no idea about business numbers anything like marketing i had no idea man so and something to touch on which the three of us were talking about earlier was I think a lot of people feel like they have to be an expert in a field that they're going to start something with or have like this genius invention. And yeah. I feel like it's a big misconception with entrepreneurs because it doesn't have to be that. You don't have to have like a mind-blowing invention or be an amazing web coder to go do something yeah. different. Like yeah. you can just go do it yeah. and you figure it out along the way. That's what I think as well. It's just that taking action, this take messy, massive action. Like just take messy action. Like yeah. just, just go all in. You That's know? a Even good term. You have no idea what to do or how to do it, but you're not going to figure it out in your head ever. Mm -hmm. No. So, okay. So you were all in and doing your research and picking people's brains. Yes. I hate it when I get emails from people and they're like, honey, can I meet you for coffee and pick your brain? Oh, that was me. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were close, but it was like a few close friends, but I picked their brains okay, for sure. Close friends? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And then, okay, you're in Bali. And then Connor did had no idea what he was going to do. Yeah, I was kind of going over to Bali just along for the ride. And <laughs> I just sort of had this feeling. I don't know. I had this feeling that something was going to come to me. And if it didn't, then... So you were trusting. I was kind of trusting the process. Leap of faith. And you had but, this superwoman um, wife on her mission. To <laughs> she, was, she was on her mission. At, that was on yeah, worst comes to worst. So I was just going to help her out and support what she was doing. And the one thing that I did do is before I left, I you know a lot of the research that we had done about Bali is you know you're reading blogs and you're on Instagram and you're on social media. And if anybody out there has followed anything Bali on social media, there's just these beautiful pictures oh, of, you know, of the whole island, oh, all man. these different spots on the island. Yeah. So it kind of inspired me. I said, hey, you know, at least I'm going to give myself a hobby while mm -hmm. I'm over there, something to kind of occupy my time and something that I can really dive into and try to get better at. So I bought, I invested in a nice you know, digital camera mm -hmm. and a nice lens for that digital camera and decided I, I was going to... camera. It's a good camera. What is it? <laughs> it's a Fuji X-T1. What are the lenses that you like? My favorite lens is like is a 1655 oh. lens. It's really good for like big... What's, what's the aperture there? To F22. Ah, no. Yeah. 
But that is, isn't that a really small hole? Well, it goes up to 22. It goes, oh. To, oh, it goes down to like two, four. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like gibberish to me. A, <laughs> <laughs> totally. totally. <laughs> it was a nice camera. It is a nice camera. It was a good one for getting invested in trying to get better at photography. So mm. that was what I was going to do is I was going to try and maybe, I don't know, start a blog, take some photography and you know, maybe try to get better at that to the mm. point that I could maybe make some money off of it. That was really as far as my ideas went yep. <laughs> but by the time that we got over there. Mm. And I was okay with it. I figured, you know, in eight months over there, I'll, I can figure something out, got whether it. it's with this or whether it's not with this, whether it's just helping Nicole out and we can you know, try to maybe build something together, whatever it is, it was going to happen. I just knew that I couldn't do another. Yeah. Couldn't do another stint at you know wearing a blazer and collared shirt going into my going oh, into my office again. It's selling real imagine. estate loans. Yeah, wow. yeah. Okay. So the pain was just big enough for you to just trust the process. Okay. It's Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's kind of what I did. Yeah. yeah. It was just kind of time for a change. So I kind of right. decided in my own mind that I was going to buy into the change and let it happen. Leap. And then how long did it take you to then come up with what you're doing today? So I'd say it was probably about. It was probably about a month in, and I'd been hopping on the motorbike and going to shoot waterfalls at 3 a.m. and mm. driving all around the island, shooting rice fields and all the beautiful stuff there is in Bali. And one thing that I was taking with me on all those little trips that I was taking was this old band, this random old bandana that I had brought with me. I think it was from a couple of years ago at Coachella. I think somebody might have left it in our car. <laughs> it was definitely not an, a conscious purchase that I had made. Right, right. But anyway, it was the one thing that when I was out shooting photographs, it could hold my sunglasses. Mm. It was an easy way to hold my sunglasses without having to put them in a pocket or like hook them onto my shirt. That is actually genius. I never thought of that. <laughs> I actually didn't even think of that either. Yeah. Always, it always bothers that, me. It yeah. always drove me crazy because, uh. you know, Bali is very sunny, so you need sunglasses when and you're riding. And short hair. Yeah. yeah. For you guys, yeah. So they would always fall off my head or fall off my shirt. So I started wearing this bandana so I could stick them up there when I was shooting photographs. And after a little while, Bali's also pretty hot and humid so mm -hmm. that bandana got pretty disgusting <laughs> after, <laughs> pretty after, quickly after yeah. a couple of trips so i had to take it to the laundry and i wanted to go on a photo trip but i needed a new bandana basically oh. so i set out to start i looked at you know there's a very famous store in bali called deus Kismakina yeah. that has kind of hipster motorcycle-y themed stuff they had some bandanas but it was you know they were just the same old designs the same old designs you see on every bandana out there not the greatest fabric either kind when of scratchy I think of cotton a bandana, like... they're really not very appealing that's probably the reason why i never really bought one no actually i bought one one day at the panama canal in panama oh wow it was like a merch bandana uh -huh. and it had like little boats on it oh my gosh <laughs> and like little waves and That's it was like cute. this really cute blue color and i'd wore it around my neck a lot i really mm -hmm. really liked it and then one day i think i must have lost it because it's not there anymore yeah. <laughs> but i actually really like wearing it around my neck but generally man i mean they just don't look this typical bandana design mm -hmm. i mean come on yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's so 1981 exactly yeah yeah, so lots of paisley, lots of kind of repeat, simple uh, repeating patterns and stuff like, like that. It's like the tribal so, tattoos. Totally. Just like, yeah, on, it just, there wasn't a whole lot of variety or options in them. And it kind of just came to me. Mm. I was like, I want something different. I want something that's unique and original and 
colorful and mm. artistic even. I want something, you know, there's, you know, t-shirts you can find any kind, you know, you can find a t-shirt that fits your exact mood, your yeah. exact kind of like outlook on life, anything like that. There's so much choice out there. But then when it comes to these bandanas, it's sort of like you kind of have to take what you get. Yep. So, so this was the muse kind of hopping was, onto your shoulder and being like, yo, Connor. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was the light bulb moment. If you, you know, yeah. if you want to trace it back, it was kind of popping around Changu looking for a nice bandana. Well, and even just not online. Being, not, and even online. Then not we were being like, able to find And we asked our friends, like, does anyone know a cool bandana brand? And everyone was like, no, never heard of a cool Ooh, bandana and brand. Then, and it was like, was. okay. It Demand. just kept kind of Yeah, there's a need here. It, the more we talked about it, it kept kind of reinforcing itself and reinforcing mm. itself. So yeah, that's where the idea came so from. So then you were like, basically, okay, I'm going to scratch my own itch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to create awesome bandanas. Right. That was kind of the start of it. And luckily, my very inspirational and very driven wife had already started doing research on where to find fabric <laughs> and where to find manufacturers. He has a bad for business. Yeah, for, for my her, own business. Yeah, so his business. business plan was actually genius because he just waited one month after me. So <laughs> I get to make back. all the mistakes and do all the research. And then a month later, he's always like, so who'd you use for this? And how'd you figure out this thing? And I'm like, oh my God. Oh God. Yeah. Did that so, annoy you? Yes, of course it annoyed me. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I love him and I love Bandit's bandanas, so I'm fine doing it. But I'm like, why didn't I do start a month figured, after him? I figured this one out by myself. And yeah, just, exactly. That. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> love you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so you guys were figuring all these things out. Yeah. So, and I have to say that transition though of going from a nine to five job, like our first few weeks in Bali was really hard. Mm. Like it's a head trip when you're used to having a certain schedule your whole life. You know, it's like you wake up to seven o'clock alarm, make breakfast, you go to work all day. I would go work out, come home and make dinner, read my book or watch a show and go to bed. Like that's what I knew that it's so routine and so schedule. So like all of a sudden to be in Bali and not have to wake up to an alarm clock and not go to a nine to five job. Like mm. it took us for a loop for a little yeah. bit. Like holding, we felt really holding guilty. Yourself, holding yourself accountable. Yeah. Is... yeah. That's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up actually. Yeah. Because people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Just like, it's a it's transition. In the beginning. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, freedom. Yeah. Totally. Then you're like, oh. And then okay. you just feel there was a sense of guilt. Like if I wasn't ever working. Yeah. I was so used to working like eight, 10, 12 hour days that wow. it's like, oh my gosh, I can't take like three hours off in the afternoon to go do this thing. Just like have a green smoothie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember calling my sister and talking to her about it. And I was like really struggling because like I, you know, in the States, it's like everything is about yeah. productivity. Hustle. Hustle, yeah. hustle. How productive are you? How many calories did you burn at the gym? How many things did you check off Very your to-do list? Very masculine way of, you know. Yeah. So it was like really difficult for me to change that mindset and think about like, structuring my days and she was very helpful and she was like you get to redefine what work means to you now yeah. and work, her sister was already doing her own thing kind of yeah and she's yeah she's traveled for a long time yeah. and so she was like you can change what you think of work now like mm-hmm. you can go to the markets for three hours you can go just meet people on the streets and take people out to coffee and like go to shops and like get creative inspiration like read a book yeah. you know like that is now work for you like it doesn't have to be sitting in front of your computer in an office it doesn't have to eight feel hours a day or boring exactly or like a struggle you know exactly. like it can actually be fun <laughs> yeah so yeah. 
it's a that transition. mind shift in your head. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Wow, that's a big one. So, all right. So it's just literally, I mean, see, I wouldn't even know where to start getting a product manufactured in anywhere. I mean, and then Bali. So yeah. what do you do? So, so the more you kind of end up talking to people about your ideas, mm-hmm. the more people are like, oh, I know someone that does this thing or something similar in this place. So you kind of get connections and... So people actually share because I always thought people don't share that kind you know of information. What? I had one person that was incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Like I randomly met this girl at a wedding and told her that we were moving to Bali and I was thinking about creating a line of beachy products. And she was like, oh my gosh, I have a friend. Actually, I have my cousin moved to Bali a few years ago and she has a yoga mat line and she connected us on Facebook and shout out to Nellie. She was amazing and gave me incredible advice Beautiful. and was so open and shared everything. And wow. we became close in Bali and she does this with a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember telling her one day afterwards, like, I'm just so impressed how open you are about sharing things. And she was like, why would I keep it to myself? Yeah, like, right. It's a different mindset, though, in America. It's a new mindset yeah, we, as well. It's a lot more competitive, yeah. and people like to hold on to their secrets. And I don't know. I really learned from her. Like, I'm happy to share my contacts yeah. and my expertise and everything I've learned yeah, with anyone yeah. that's wanting to do something different because it changed my life. So, yeah. like, I'm yeah. so grateful Just for her. Forward, basically. Absolutely. That's and, like, I let's all that. support each other yeah. Yeah. and support each other's companies and ideas and creativity. Yeah. Like, go for it. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm happy to help anyone that has a great idea. I think also this whole keeping these like business secrets or whatever to yourself, it's all a mindset based on scarcity, right? But when you are all about just like giving and giving, Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's a way nicer place to be when you're in an abundance place, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you're in a scarcity mindset, you're like, you think that success and money is finite. Right. But when you're in an abundant mindset and you just like freely help other people and yeah. share your information, whatever, it means that you're giving signals to that greater power out Absolutely. there to like, hey, you know, just bring it on, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's Let's how it can, get paid. yeah, this is like basically <laughs> exactly. the law of attraction, you know, uh, in, exactly. in practice. And it's like the same with love, the same with whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really beautiful and a good point to bring up. For yeah. Sure. I've noticed that in general to just sort of the community of people that we've met in Bali has tended to be more like that, you know, at the dojo where our yeah. co-working space where that we met Connie through, you know, just the entire community there is. Yeah hey, let's grab a coffee and I'll tell you about what I do. Tell me about what you do and let's share ideas. And that was kind of a big eye-opener when we got to Bali. Because I think in the end, people get to Bali and no one knows shit. Yeah. Like, we all kind of depend on (laughs) everyone to kind of help each other out and to, you know, even just simple things in the beginning, like Mm -hmm. where you get a SIM card, how do you pay electricity, uh, you know, like all these simple things when you move there and you get a house. I mean, where do you get a pembantu, like a cleaning lady? Right. Mm -hmm. How much, what's a good price for a scooter? Like, what, you have to... So what a lot of things what to ATM learn. should I not go to? Yeah, what right. ATM should I not go to? Like, I mean, all these things, you yeah. can't really rely and depend on other people's advice. And so in that way, maybe that's just kind of how that, yeah. where that comes from. Yeah. There was one guy at the dojo that has a bag line. And when I first got to Bali, everyone was like, oh, you've got to meet so-and-so. And so I wrote him and I was like, can I take you to coffee? And he sat down with me for an hour and just gave me advice. Mm. And I didn't know how to find suppliers or anything. And I was like, how do you find people? He's like, I drive my motorbike around the island (laughs) and like meet people. And I was like, all right, cool. Guess I know what I'm doing tomorrow. (laughs) Like, you know, you find markets for materials. You find Mm. suppliers. Because you're not going to find them on Google. That's the thing, right? Yeah, I actually found one of mine on Google and Facebook. So you can utilize those types of things. So it's all there. It's just putting yourself out. Out there and getting creative and how you're going to find it. Yep. And like for me, originally, I actually thought I was going to just 
buy other artisans' products and right. sell them on an online store. Got it. And then it became actually more complicated when I was there and I didn't feel that great about doing it that way. So I was like, you know, instead I'm just going to decide to make most of my own products. Mm. So then it was like, okay, I went to all the markets in Bali. I found the materials I needed. I went to the store and got a notepad and some colored pencils and like sketched them on a piece of paper and brought them to this one supplier that I had met. And I was like, can you make this? And they were like, yeah, I'll try. And then they make you a sample and you go back and you're like, okay, that's nothing at all. Like what I drew or what envisioned. The first one was for... Oh, the was for my backpacks. Yeah. Oh. oh my gosh. And it was a disaster. I was like, I could never sell this in a million years. So 18 samples later, you kind of figure it out. Like yeah. you just do something and then you're like, okay, I like this. The material feels, but then you wash it and then it doesn't, it shrinks or it bleeds or whatever. So then you find a new material and it's just tweaking it. Mm-hmm. But like I had no expertise in design or products or sourcing or anything literally brought like wow. us a piece of paper with a little sketch on it and some materials I found and asked someone if they could sew it for me. (laughs) So I I think something that's really important is just talking about it, talking about, you know, if you have an idea, don't be afraid to tell people about it because that's the way that you're going to get that advice out of people Mm. is sort of, if they can tell that you're serious about it and that you are really dedicated to it, then I think they're more willing to kind of share their little tips and tricks and secrets and, okay, like you're really about this. Okay, here's my screen printer. Here's my this person. Here's my this person. And they're a little bit more comfortable, I think, giving it to you if they can sense that you're You're genuine about it. it. Also, I think why it's so important to talk about your idea, even if it's just really like in the embryo Mm -hmm. state, is that the more you talk about it, the more it matures in your head. The more neural pathways are being built for it to actually slowly come to life. Yeah. But if you carry an idea around in your head for ages, you know, I don't think that's very productive. I feel like the fat, the more you talk about it to friends or whoever understands it, you know, it's just like, or you write about it or whatever. But I think it gets you way faster to the point where you actually then want to actually do it and mm-hmm. like, you know, start creating it. Yeah. So that's really cool. And then how about you? How about Connor? How did you go about? Obviously, you know, Nicole kind of sorted a few things out from there. Well, so that was, so to start with, I kind of, my idea for Bandits Bandanas kind of evolved as well. I thought, you know, we had found all these great markets where they, you can go buy really beautiful sort of pre-printed and not pre-printed fabric, you know, different colors and designs and all that kind of stuff. And my original idea was, you know, I'm going to go buy these designs that I handpick and that I think are cool and would look cool on a bandana. And we had kind of been talking to some manufacturers and it's make cutting and sewing a bandana is, is a pretty straightforward process. It's just compared a, to a backpack. Compared to backpacks. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so I kind of had started on that route. And then after having some samples made and looking at them and take you know, really taking stock and assessment of the brand it didn't quite match up to what I wanted it to be in my head mm-hmm. you know I wanted it to be something that was really new and different and something that people had never seen before and the more I kind of looked around I kept seeing these prints and stuff that I was buying and I mm-hmm. would see it on something else and I'd see it on oh, some other right. store so it wasn't unique enough for you basically because yeah. a lot of the Bali st- you know, a lot of the People who are making stuff in Bali go to, there's not that many suppliers. <laughs> yeah. You, can, you uh, see the same designs. Yeah, the, the same, same designs fabrics, quite a bit. Yeah. The same colors mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. So that's when I kind of leaned on, it was actually my sister 
who inspired sort of the next phase mm. of the brand. My sister has been an artist for a long time. She does sort of whimsical kind of children's book illustration and little characters and things like that. And she's, you know, she's kind of done some commissions here and there. She's gone back and forth and sort of trying to pursue her art and then sort of trying to pursue other things. But she's always kind of had it. And I've always been really impressed by it because I don't. Mm, my- <laughs> I can barely draw, you know, a stick figure. So I've always respected her and just sort of respected artists in general she just put in the ten thousand hours or something that you know we haven't put in (laughs) yeah you know respecting that talent respecting the ability to see something in your head and sort of create it on paper whether it's illustration or graphic art or painting Mm -hmm. or you know whatever it is i just respect it so much because i don't have it so that kind of and growing up and over the past years after she's been out of college I've sort of tried to use what I'm good at, which is, you know, I went to business school and I've kind of been in the investments and real estate and sort of finance world and trying to figure out a way for her to monetize her product. And, you know, I started telling her about this brand and she's like, oh yeah, that would really be something that artists would really dig and putting their designs on it. Mm, And that was, you know, the the next big light bulb was like, oh, that's where it's going to be original Mm -hmm. and something that people have never seen before is I need to commission, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to go find artists to create something that's specifically for this brand. Mm -hmm. It's not any pattern that's ever been done before ever. It's just going to be for my brand. And that's, what's going to make it something really special. Awesome. And then how'd you go about finding those? That was Instagram. There's three main kind of sources was Instagram. There's a site called Dribble, Mm D-R-I-B-B-B-L-E. That's kind of a social media site for artists and graphic designers who post their portfolios on there and you can follow them. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool site. You should check it out. And there's another one that's kind of similar called Behance. Yep. Mm B-E-H-A-N-C-E. Kind of very similar. I like Dribble a little bit better. But just going on there and kind of finding stuff that A, that I liked and B, that was sort of I thought would transfer well to a bandana, you know, talking with, you know, I'd found a screen printer who, you know, they had certain limitations in terms of color and size and, you know, what they could print. You know, it couldn't be anything where they were sort of fading colors into one another. That's really hard to screen print. It kind of had to be solid color designs. They were limited on the number of colors that they could print because once you start getting into sort of seven, eight, nine colors on a screen print. That means you have to build a screen for each one of those. Mm, got it. So you lose a little bit of quality on the print. These are all things that, again, I had no idea of, you know, in yeah. January of 2017. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly is, you do. It's, it's yeah, fascinating. Suddenly you just, you become an expert on it. You don't need to be an expert. You can kind of become an expert. Just having a bit more just wine. Just having some more wine. And it, it obviously took <laughs> I just remember meeting up with you guys sometimes and just oh, being like, gosh. you guys had just come back from like driving around to all your suppliers and factories and whatnots on your scooters yes. like, to Den Pasar. Our days for like six months were just like, probably like half of it was on our motorbike. Yeah. Going around from market to supplier to market to supplier because there's a different person like on the side of the road that makes each label and each... <laughs> mm-hmm. Like place that you have to go get a zipper versus where you have to have all your leather stuff made versus, I mean, there's a million things that go into products, which I didn't 
have any appreciation for what goes into making a bag. Like so now to, I do. Yeah, it's not yeah. like you walk into like an Ikea, you know, and it, that doesn't even not exist a, in Bali. Right. Like, I remember finding stuff from my house back then and I had, there was no Ikea. You have to go to a shop that sells, you know, like uh, cushions mm-hmm. and bed stuff or, you know, and then another shop that sells the towels and another right. shop that sells kitchen exactly. equipment. And then it's like, you yeah. really appreciate you like really a, do. And a I have, one-stop shop. I have <laughs> different suppliers for each one of my products. Right. So it's a lot of moving pieces. Wow. Yeah, That's because crazy. there's a lot of timelines and things always go wrong. And even me, I mean, you'd think, you know, a bandana is fairly simple, yeah. but I mean, I have a cotton supplier and then I have to, it was not an easy task coordinating that cotton supplier to get a truck that could deliver that cotton to my screen printer, which is only about 10 minutes away, but everybody in Bali drives motorbikes. Yeah, so it's, transportation it's not easy to take with all big, these things you know, is difficult. 125 yard ream of cotton. things like... Right. Oh, like, you would think. what goes into one of those bikini bags? You have no idea. <laughs> it's been in the hands of 10 suppliers. It took two months to ship from Bali to here. Yeah, there's a lot of And that then goes people are it. like, oh, can you make this bigger, smaller, different kind? You're like, yeah, dude. It's like, you have no idea what it took me to get that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hilarious. Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, a lot of time and energy and a lot of learnings. A lot of trial and trial error. Trial and error. A lot of samples. A lot of so samples after samples. Let's say from when you got started looking for the suppliers until your products were actually ready. Mm-hmm. How long did that take? So I met with different suppliers when we were there in June and July and made some relationships and got a few samples done. And then we were traveling for a few months over the summer. Mm -hmm. So I brought them with me and I just kind of like looked at them and tweaked them and kind of made like a game plan for when I got back to Bali, what I wanted to do. So we got back to Bali in September and I was like, okay, I'm going to choose these six products and I'm just going to run with it. And I had like three months to make them all. Mm. So chose my suppliers and kind of tried to stick to a timeline as best mm-hmm. as possible to have them done and ready by the end of December to ship back to the States. And then, yeah, it's just a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. and samples and samples and samples. And yeah. then slowly I was able to kind of get orders from each of them. And could it, you could have done it faster or is that like a good you know, amount of time to take? Like it a, probably uh, depends where you are right. and what you're making. Like for me, it was designs and things that were new to me. And like I made, you know, this backpack again with exactly what I wanted. Mm. And I sent a picture to my sister and she was like, you've got to change the straps, Mm. that rope. I hate it. (laughs) So like for the next three days, I was in markets back and forth in Bali trying to find the perfect kind of rope. And then my supplier finally made them with the new rope and it ruined the rest of the backpack. So it's like, then you kind of, it's just a lot of that. So it's totally dependent on what you're making and who you're working with. Bali in general, I love the people in Bali so much, but they work at a very slow pace. Yeah, I mean, their minds just work very differently. Very differently. Not better or worse. Exactly. But it's just also an everyday life situation. You know, it's just very differently. And so for us, Westerners, it's Mm -hmm. for us to get used to that yes how they make decisions and like even just me getting i wanted to get stickers made right Mm -hmm. at the same sticker shop that or the the same agency or whatever you call that and man like you know it's a process i wasn't prepared (laughs) i know the process like everything exactly because it would have been so much quicker and maybe easier in let's say in germany whatever you just go online and get an order exactly but for them that's just how it works and we have to adjust to that and and nothing's online so you have to go you have to go with them every single day i had to sit down with a graphic 
graphic designer mm -hmm. to get my very, very simple sticker <laughs> made yeah. and designed. And it was interesting, but like, you know, you, there's no point in getting super frustrated or discouraged because right. she said, well, that's just how it works that's here. How it works so there. you totally you just have to roll into it. it. Yes. You gotta chill yeah. into it. Right? And then yeah. Balinese have lots of ceremonies. Yes, they do. So sometimes like you're on this like tight deadline and then it's like, oh, we're gone for the week. And it's like, what? <laughs> so there was a lot of that. Yeah, so I don't know. Lot. You can probably do it a lot quicker than that, but it took probably us like three also, or four months to make you, the products. You guys are quite organized. So, yeah. you know, and you guys were on it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it is you really do have to kind of just, sh if you show up at their shop every day, mm. you know, they sort of realize that you're serious mm -hmm. and they you just kind of have to keep rem you remind them of your project yeah you're still here you know, yeah <laughs> still, still want this done yeah right so it's yeah it's yeah. just a different not better or worse just a different yeah. way a different working. way of doing business and you get used to it um, i think it's a great practice and just patience yeah. and just, i mean bali for me in general practice. i think for you guys probably too it's like so good exactly <laughs> you just roll with it whatever's meant to be is oh, meant to be gosh, yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just patience mm -hmm. and all of that i mean you just become a pro there yeah it's Awesome, Absolutely. Actually. <laughs> so, okay. And then the actual, so you had your products and you obviously had to get them shipped over here to the States. Yes. Like, I remember you saying that that was quite a bit of a challenge. That was probably the biggest <laughs> challenge for me. Yeah. It's just a different world with customs brokers and duties and taxes and all the things. So just like anything else, though, it's an experiment. You do it once. I found shippers in Bali. I hired a customs broker in the States. It took longer than I expected. It was way more expensive than I expected. But now that I did it, I kind of know what happens. And now I'm thinking of ways that I can tweak it to make it faster and cheaper and all those things. So mm. it's kind of a lesson, I guess, in business in general. It's like yeah. you just do it. Yeah. And then you constantly tweak it to make it better and faster and cheaper. Yeah. And I mean, the first round, you know, the yeah. fuck, you know, it's yeah. just how it is. It's yeah. really it's beta it's, testing, it's, man. It's beta testing mm -hmm. and it's all about the learnings. It's not about really making a whole lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's just like going in the, into the pit, into the yep. trenches, kind of getting dirty. You and just dive in. Dive in and just yep. uh, try to come out alive. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. You don't want to make a loss, obviously. And right. So that's kind of the next part. So now, so, okay. Both your products or all of these products made yep. it to the United States. And then what were the next steps? You guys built websites. Like, I don't yeah. know. You guys are not web designers. We both used Shopify. If you do it specifically, I think for any kind of product-based business, it's really yeah. incredible. Shopify's like it's awesome. really kind of built for that. And their customer support is great. Their, their library the, of like tutorials. Mm -hmm. Tutorials, yeah. all the sort of anything that you can't do there's probably a, an add-on app that can do it yeah. and most of them are free some of them might be five bucks a month and you know you kind of have to just decide for yourself cool. whether it's willing to pay for it yeah, but yeah it's, it's really great cool. it's a really great platform did you look into squarespace at all i didn't look into squarespace i looked into I, WooCom woocommerce or, yeah, yeah WooCommerce. wordpress woocommerce yeah. and I don't know. Shopify just kind of clicked. Yeah. It clicked for me. It was Squarespace. I have heard is really a great platform if you're selling a service. Mm. More so, like if you are a photographer or you're an interior designer or something, and you need to showcase your work, it's a, actually a really great platform. I know a lot of people that use it, but I dove pretty deep into the research of WooCommerce versus mm. Shopify versus Squarespace, right. mm. and for like constant sales, Shopify yeah, was just so. by far well, the best. Well, the integrations and stuff because I like looked at all, like those yeah. are like the three main ones, right? right. 
And in the end, I was between Shopify and Squarespace. And mm-hmm. Squarespace is pushing their shop functionalities and all that pretty hard now. Interesting. But I still think that Shopify, for me personally, it's better. I see more and more shops also built on Squarespace. I think Squarespace is also even a step easier. Yes, even it, than it is. Maybe Shopify. It is a bit you know? easier. But then you kind of pay for not as many add-ons and, and plugins right. and mm-hmm. whatnot. So functionality, functionalities, and stuff. The like back that. end, I think, is what if you're selling actual products. The back end of Shopify is amazing because it tracks all your inventory yes. and gives you all the analytics and things that you'd kind of have to do on your own yeah. if you were using a different platform. Like, yeah. it gives it all for you. I mean, it, it yeah. talks seamlessly with accounting software. Yeah. And if you're you know trying to keep your books, yeah. Shopify's fantastic. And also, that. I use Printful right now to get my T-shirts printed and send out and everything. And that's just super seamless. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It was it's amazing. So anyway, okay, so that's that. And then, so what's next? And obviously, you guys were planning the launch. Yeah, so building a website is kind of in- intense. We both did it ourselves, but... Product you know, photography comes Yes, into that play. was a huge part of it. Product photography, which we both did in Bali. Mm-hmm. Found a photographer. We found friends to model for us set up some locations but yeah the first product photo shoot I actually had to do two one was like a lifestyle shoot and then one I found a friend that had like a little studio for actual product photography so there was two photo shoots that went into photographing the actual products Mm -hmm. and then yeah putting everything on a website getting a blog going starting an Instagram Instagram, yes social media media is a big part of it that actually was a huge part of both of our strategies is just really mostly Instagram right mostly Instagram yeah Yeah. Yeah. So just building a following and posting beautiful photos and kind of developing the brand through mm-hmm. Instagram and getting people excited to buy your stuff so that once yep. you actually launch, you have people that are kind of waiting for yeah. it and you're not just launching to no one. Yeah. So that was a big part of the strategy. So you guys have both had or have pretty similar launch strategies, marketing strategies right now? Mm-hmm. Because you're like part, yeah. just about to launch, yes. Connor. <laughs> so where are you at right now? Like, what are the exact sort of preparation steps that you took with like the? Because I arrived what like a week or ten days ago, and you're just about to launch now, and you've been working hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it take a little little personal time. Took, <laughs> today, a, yeah. took a two hour walk today. Uh, had to get out of the workspace. Yeah, so basically the last couple of weeks has been, you know, I've been on my Instagram, I've been doing some giveaways. I have seven, so my launch collection for Bandits is seven original artist design bandanas and supporting seven different charities. Each artist that I had design a bandana for me, I had them choose a charity and 10% of the sales proceeds from each bandana goes to that charity that they choose. Mm-hmm. So kind of trying to tell that story on Instagram, sort of leading up to the launch and talking about the artists and talking about their other work and what they do and kind of what inspires them and what inspired them to choose the charity and what inspired them to do the design and what's kind of the backstory Mm -hmm. of the design. So each week I've been doing, you know, a giveaway of each design, telling the story of the design, telling the story of the artist, telling the story of the charity. And I am now on week seven of the seven designs. (laughs) So we're we're getting close to the actual launch. consistency right there. I like the idea, though. That's really well thought out. Yeah. It also helped me save. I, it was almost out of necessity because I did my photo shoot in Bali. Yeah, that gave me maybe sort of 50, maybe a little less usable photos. Mm. And I had about 95 days between when that photo shoot got done and when I was sort of planning on launching in early April. So I needed to find some 
other content right. <laughs> to post. But I also did want, you know, it kind of flowed naturally in, in wanting to kind of tell the story of the brand yeah. and tell the story of what's really behind the designs of what I wanted to really do with the brand is showcase artists and showcase charity and showcase just the people who are doing cool things and making original work and doing amazing work with charities and helping mm -hmm. people all around the globe. Yeah. That's also worked into my emails that are going out to the people that I'm yeah, the Instagram is kind of telling people to sign up for the email list and feeding into that. And then the email list is continuing to tell the story and, you know, telling people here's thanks for signing up for the email list. Here's your discount code mm. getting, you know, kind of the emails have been going out at a more rapid pace, yeah. getting people you know more pumped about the launch and yeah. kind of, you know, every week I do a giveaway on Instagram and then I also do a giveaway for the email list. Mm. So kind of trying to, you know, making sure that the people who sign up for your email list feel special about doing it. Yeah. And, you know, there's a reason that they're subjecting themselves to junk mail yeah, <laughs> yeah. every couple of days. So You want to keep it valuable. Yeah, you want to give them something for, no for supporting you. Yeah. It's like, what's the point in getting people on your email list if all you do is and spam them with promotional shit? Like, be valuable. Send them out in, like, really interesting stuff or, you know, rather than just look at me doing another sale or, right. you know. Mm -hmm. And this will go out after the launch so I can say I'm doing an exclusive mm. opening of the store to yeah. the email list. Yeah. So they'll kind of get to yeah, they get an extra see the bonus. store, you know, get their favorite designs, you before know, before yeah. the general public does. And yeah. that's just an extra little. Yeah. Yeah. Extra little thing that you can offer. Yeah, sure. But for anyone that's building a business and like in the process of building it, just highly recommend a social media strategy and building your email list during the process of building your business. So because People you can understand. be doing all the behind the scenes yeah. stuff, but put out an Instagram account and get people to sign up for an email list. You just need a landing page yeah. and build some excitement about it. You know, you don't even have to mm -hmm. have it, the idea totally yeah thought out yet it's and also even just realizing the importance of an email list yes you know? absolutely people just don't understand even a lot of bloggers out there or people on social media like it, you can be a huge you know whatever youtuber or instagrammer but what if you know instagram changes their algorithm youtube mm -hmm. changes their algorithm facebook i mean it has been doing it the whole time exactly and, and so but what you will always own is your email list and yeah, of course, opening rights are not as amazing as they used to be five, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But, right. you know, email is still like our inbox. Like we go through every single email basically that's in there to evaluate. Is it worth it to open rather than just scrolling through, you know, right. our social right. media accounts? Yeah. So I'm a huge proponent of using email marketing and just being super helpful and valuable, mm -hmm. even with a product based yeah. business. And I'm something just, that I've, and we both kind of dived into podcasts and blogs and reading all about kind of how to do a launch and yeah. starting a new business and one of the things that kind of stuck with me about the email list is even if that person's not opening that email they're at least seeing the name of your brand every time you send it mm -hmm. they're going to look at their junk mail folder before they delete it all mm -hmm. and they're going to see the name of your brand and is at the very least as long as that is resonating as long as they sign up for your email list and they're seeing the name of your brand every day that's doing something it's reinforcing it's reminding and you gotta have good subject lines guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> that too you can have the most amazing content in your email or even in your blog post, in your YouTube video, in your, you know, whatever. But if you're 
title sucks. Know, it's <laughs> it's a like, hard thing. You yeah. put in as much effort into your title as you did to your yeah. content, kind yeah. of, you know? Or like the first line in my Instagram caption, for example, I want people to click on read more mm-hmm. so they read the rest of it. So the yeah. first sentence is gonna catch them, right? And people yeah. understand. So anyway, getting I can do a whole fucking podcast <laughs> just on, on subject lines and right. can you? Because I would listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> I need that. I find one. it super fascinating. Yeah. Because there's there's recipes, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, there is. It's, it's actually not rocket science. Mm-hmm. None of this is. You just gotta fucking do the research yeah. and you try stuff out. It's and... neuroscience, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Quantum physics, dude. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So and then how about you, Nicole? Like how how so you launched, you know, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And, and how are things going right now? Things are really awesome, I have to say. It was a very successful launch, which I'm super stoked about. Again, lots of strategy that goes into it. Like for the past six months, I've just been listening to podcasts and reading books Mm. and talking to people that have launched businesses and, you know, just like anything else, if you've got kind of a strategy behind it, Mm -hmm. you hope for success, but it's a total roller coaster. Like day one was amazing. I was so excited flying high and day two, like the sales kind of trickled in (laughs) and then like day three, it picked up again. So it's been kind of a bit of a roller coaster. Up and down. Like one day, down. I, I know that too. Like one yeah. day you do make, you know, five sales and the next day is like nothing or, yeah. two, or two days, nothing. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's very weird. Right. So yeah. it's like, you can't take things personally. That's been a big one for me. Yeah. Not have expectations. Those are probably the biggest learning lessons I've learned through the launch. Cause like expect everyone to go to my site and love it as much as I do and want everything. And I have to remember that like, it's not for everyone. Not everyone's mm. going to want every single thing or it has the funds to buy things right yeah. now or whatever it might be. So you can't take it personally and you just keep moving and growing. So like, you know, I just read a lot and just dive into all of this resources that are available. So mm. my next thing is like diving into a Pinterest strategy and constantly forward thinking like, Three months from now. What else can I learn? Yeah. Where am I going? Where am I headed? Oh, actually, one thing that we didn't actually talk about just now is that you guys are still fulfilling the orders yourself. Correct. You're like in Boulder, Colorado, where we are sitting right now, actually. You're staying here for a few months, so you got all your stuff, all your products here. You're you're packing them yourselves. You're sending them off yourselves. Like today, I went to the post office, and we sent off a couple of orders for Nicole's customers. And so that's obviously another big sort of thing to organize but yeah. then you are also looking into fulfillment centers because you guys want to still be rather nomadic or at least be free right exactly <laughs> yeah so for us for our launches we just felt like it was really important to package our own things and be really hands-on with the process like I'm writing each of my customers a personal thank you note mm-hmm. and I just wanted to I guess it's a little bit type a personality but just have control over the whole <laughs> process yeah. you know you put a year of work into something you just want to make sure the launch goes well so right. for the first two months we rented a place we had all of our products shipped to the house that we're staying in and we are doing all of our own fulfillment for the first few months and now I'm looking into fulfillment centers because as Connie mentioned we want to be able to travel and be free and do our own thing take advantage of this yes exactly so now you know the future is hopefully just like my laptop is my entire business and it's just kind of figuring out the moving pieces and contacting all of my suppliers to the fulfillment center to the shippers and running things just completely online so yeah fulfillment centers are out there they will package everything for you ship it to your customer you pay them a fee and that's kind of how it works so that's the next phase and like usual i'm about a month behind you on that Mm -hmm. so you'll just choose the one that i choose i'll I'll pick your brain on it (laughs) sounds about right (laughs) but yeah i think it's for me it's just and i think for you as well it's just important to really figure out those processes so that you can 
tell somebody else how to do that. And making sure, you know, kind of seeing like, oh, this packaging kind of, oh, this fell apart when I sent it to a couple of people. Or, okay, so I need to reinforce Mm. this thing and and kind of tweak something here. It's kind of, again, like every other step of the way, it's trial and error. And then you kind of figure out what your sweet spot is with the process. And then then you can start telling other people how to do it. Yeah, I mean, you guys been, I've been quite interested, obviously, in your processes as well, because my initial idea with my Live Your Heart Out t-shirts and their clothing line was to get it all started in Bali, right? Mm-hmm last year and then i realized i saw from watching you guys actually i was like <laughs> well <hard> it was. <laughs> that, that, that's not simple but yeah. i wanted to get my t-shirts out as quickly as possible just to get started right yeah and because i knew that there is simpler options to do that with drop shipping and like i'm using you know printful there's also like spreadshirt and there's many others out there and so i then decided to go that route for now But later this year, I plan on getting production started in Bali too. And I will definitely benefit from all of your guys' advice and tips. And (laughs) Absolutely. We're happy to share them. And also, something I have to say is we have worked very hard the past year. Like, we probably put in a similar amount of hours that we used to in our old jobs. But when you're doing it for yourself and you're so excited about a new project and you're passionate about it, it really doesn't feel like work. Like, for the first time in my life, like, I will work 10 hours sometimes and, like, I feel feel like I had like a, it was a Saturday like yeah, right. it's fun for me yeah, it's so exciting exactly. and like the harder you work the more money you get in your pocket mm-hmm. the more dictionaries I get to donate to Bali Children yeah. Foundation like it's all like yeah. a plus yeah. it's not like how hard you work it no. doesn't matter because you get a certain salary exactly. every year so Being it is really really fun man, I mean yeah <laughs> it's a roller coaster it's really freaking Holy hard shit. at times but yeah. like it's fun it is fun, yeah. Totally. And you're always I have it challenged. Any other way. Yeah. yeah, and always right. trying, and you're always growing. Yeah, and, and like it never stops. I'm six, seven years into my journey, and like it just keeps on getting better. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, and I've started quite a lot of businesses, and it's just been challenging and hard. And now I'm starting something new, and fuck, but gosh, the amount of personal growth that you go through, you oh, know, exactly, and absolutely, it's amazing, yeah. cool, wonderful story. So just before we wrap things up, I have a couple of questions that I ask uh, my interviewees, and so one is, do you? guys have any maybe books or podcasts or resources maybe a couple Mm -hmm. that you might you really love and kind of helped you out a lot or gave you a lot of inspiration that you want to pass on to the listeners yes there's two podcasts that we listen to all the time (laughs) one is the founder podcast Mm -hmm. and it's amazing he interviews like big people that founded awesome companies and just goes through their story and how they did it And it's so cool because so many people, you think like, oh, Kate Spade, she must have like gone to school for designing purses. Like she knew nothing about it and just like designed a purse one day. And same thing, like was selling some from her apartment and looked someone up in her phone book to be her supplier. So like, it's so cool to hear other entrepreneur stories. Founder is a big one and it has no E. F-O-U-N-D-R. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put everything in the show notes. Perfect. And then the other one is How I Built This. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Similar structure. Been super helpful. Mm. We're kind of addicted to these podcasts. I think it's so important to learn about other entrepreneurs and how they do things and how they got started or reading biographies Mm -hmm. or... You know, anything like that, just yeah. to, to, to get inspiration. And like, there's so many examples out there these days, you know, yeah. and that helps me still like six, seven years into it. I'm right. s- I still get inspired by other people's business success and how they got into it, you know. Absolutely. And even from people like you guys who are, you know, maybe more in the beginning, but still like for me, it's still super interesting, you know, to Thanks, hear about Bonnie. it. So. One I'm reading right now is called The Personal MBA. Oh, yeah. And just so awesome. Like, you don't have to go to business school to start a business, mm-hmm. just 
don't want to throw that out there. You can learn everything. <laughs> yes. And that's been a really great one. And then one that I haven't read yet, but was highly recommended. And it's way is called Entrepreneurs Crushing It. Is that the one? Oh, by Gary Vaynerchuk? Yes. It's, I think it's just called Crushing It. Crushing it's his, It. His new book. And today you saw that the, a package arrived and you were all like super excited. I've been like, waiting for it, two weeks. It. And then it was like something for Connor. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm Amazon Prime and I've been waiting a long time. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I've it's been coming soon. To get it. I've yeah. read a few of his books and I've been listening. Like his podcast is awesome. Mm-hmm. He's got a massive YouTube channel. Like Gary V is the man for sure. Yes. I thought of one more thing. Someone recommended this to me. If you're doing any kind of like Instagram strategy and influencer. Mm -hmm. There is someone, her name is Greta Van Reel. Mm. And she has done a few really awesome podcasts on the founder podcast, all about Instagram strategy and influencer marketing. And those really, really were helpful for me. Got it. So would recommend those. Awesome. Yeah. Would second all of those. The only one I would add is if you are on a Shopify site, there is a podcast called Shopify Masters. Oh. That is fantastic. Mm. I mean, it's, it's literally, you know, interviewing people who have built successful companies on Shopify going from zero to where they're at now and talking about how they specifically built things on Shopify and built in marketing tools and built in social media. And it's great. I mean, they do one every couple of days. So you can kind of go through and see, okay, this company is kind of in the same market as me, or this company is sort of similar to what I'm trying to do. Listen to it. And it was extremely valuable. I listened to one it's a playing card company. Hmm. I think the site is called Art of Play. And it was the two founders talking about where they found artists. to do mm, Their right. whole thing is they have original designs on right. the outside of their playing cards and they hire artists to do it. So, so it was, you. and all the things that they talked about in terms of contracts and marketing and making sure to tell the story mm. of the design and, and all these things and kind of how they you know, the trial and error that they went through on yeah. Shopify was very, very valuable. Man, I mean, if you think about how much amazing, helpful, valuable, inspiring information is out there. Exactly. For free. For free. Right. As podcasts and YouTube exactly. videos. Exactly. And like, the other thing to guinea pig off of that, Shopify sends emails every day yes, with do. tips and yeah. they can be hugely valuable. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So very, very. definitely recommend reading those every day True if you story. do have a Shopify yeah, cool. site. Wow. Awesome resources. Thanks, guys. And then I guess my last question is, What does it mean to you to live a meaningful life? Wow, what a great question. Mm. You want to go first? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. Or how do you create meaning in your life? How do you make sure you feel fulfilled every day? Okay, I can do it. Sure, go ahead. (laughs) I think being excited about something, feeling passion when you Mm. wake up in the morning, you're just like excited to wake up and do something. And... I don't know. For me, it's not as much about productivity as like quality of life. Like that's something I learned, like we talked about earlier with that transition from going from a nine to five job to becoming an entrepreneur in Bali. Like I judge my days differently now. And I think about like how good I felt that day. Like if I was able to do self-care and meditate and journal and go to yoga and how many times I laughed if I made other people feel good, like all these things, it's quality of life. And being an entrepreneur in general, you get to create your own schedule. So I can do those things for three hours in the morning and work late if I want, because I'm creating my own schedule and my own routine of life. So I think just being able to like spend more quality time with people you love, like I just went on a trip with some girlfriends and I remember last year we went on a trip together and I was completely consumed with work in the back of my mind the entire time and was never present. 
And this time I got to be completely present because mm. I was the determiner, if is that a word, <laughs> of my own stress and my own business. So it's like, I wasn't scared of a boss or what I didn't do, or if I hit this deadline, like I get to choose that for myself. Yeah. So I think it's that inner passion and getting to have quality of life and like be the boss of your own life. Just get to live life on your own terms and feel like free. Mm. I really feel free. And that's something I would never ever give up. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I think for me, it, one of the biggest things that I've noticed after sort of leaving a more structured work environment is, and something that I feel really great about now is consciously doing things every day that aren't just about me. It's doing things every day that I can, you know, even if it's, something for my business that obviously does benefit me, but it's thinking about, okay, how are my artists going to feel about this? How can I best promote these charities? Like, how can I really get that message out? Not just because I want to make money with the brand, but because I really do care about it. I really think it's, people are creating amazing works of art and these charities are doing incredible things across the world. And I think that's what I love most about, you know, what I'm doing now is that I truly feel like there's, it's something bigger than myself mm-hmm. that I'm working for. You know, yes, I'm working, you know, I need to pay rent and buy food for myself and yeah. everybody wants to be comfortable in their life. So yes, it's for me, this business, but it's also, it's not just for me. It's trying to you know help and touch as many people as I can while also creating something with purpose for yeah. me and for others. Yeah, that's amazing. Beautiful. I love that. And so now, where can people, <laughs> listeners, I was actually go and check out your products. By the time this podcast episode launches, your business will have already been launched, Connor. Yes. And obviously yours is already going. So mm-hmm. where can people check your stuff out? So my website is augusteffects.com. August is in the month and then E-F-F-E-C-T-S.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we make bags and home goods. Everything is completely handmade in Bali. And we partnered with the Bali Children Foundation, whose mission is to provide education for disadvantaged children in parts of Bali that have very poor education systems. They teach them English and computer skills, and they are in need of English dictionaries at the moment. So for every purchase made on our site, we donate a dictionary to a child in need through the Bali Children Foundation. Awesome. And I also support the Bali Children's Foundation for my business. And yeah. introduced me to them, which exactly. is how I got involved with them. So thank yeah. you, Connie. But yeah. yes. <laughs> and my site, which will be live by the time this airs, yeah. is banditsbandanas.com. B-A-N-D-I-T-S. Banditsbandanas.com. And as we touched on earlier, the idea for the brand is it's all never before seen, completely original bandana designs, super high quality cotton, really soft feel, durable bandanas. And each artist that designed a bandana for us picks a charity that they feel passionate about. And 10% of the sales proceeds from each bandana will be directly donated to that charity. We've got artists from five different countries, four different continents, mm. and incredible charities all around the world that you can learn more about on the site and on our social media. Wonderful. Yeah. And you guys are big on Instagram. So definitely go and check out their Instagram channels. And I have been, I guess, lucky enough to check out their products and actually be able to touch them and (laughs) look at them and all of that. And they are really amazing. Both all the August Effects products are awesome. Beautiful, amazing colors. I love your bandanas. Like I can't wait to wear them myself. (laughs) So go and check both of them out. They're really amazing. Wonderful journey. 
Thank you so much for sharing. Really enjoyed having that conversation. And I think it's super helpful for many listeners out there. So thanks so much, Connor and Nicole. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh-huh. So awesome. Thank yeah. you. Awesome.